0: So Luke chapter 18 verses 1 through 17, as we do, let's, let's just read the scripture first and then we will go into what this is teaching us. Luke chapter 18 starting in verse 1, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he, this unjust judge, refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. I don't know what, what, the, what, she, what he was really afraid of, of from this widow, but uh, I mean, he's, he's now scared of her. He says, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith On the earth. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed God, I thank you that I'm not like other people robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. We have fasting prayer once a month. Twice a week. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. In Luke chapter 11, we're now in Luke chapter 18, but in Luke chapter 11, when we were there, we read about Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray, and, we, and it's cross-referenced with what we would refer to as the Lord's Prayer from Matthew and so on, but in Luke 11, Jesus tells his disciples to be very specific about their requests, and then he tells them that they must believe that they will receive what they're asking for as they're asking according to God's will. And he tells them to desire the Holy Spirit. So we've seen these things that Jesus is telling his disciples about prayer. But he also taught them at that in that portion of scripture when we we're there in Luke 11. He also taught them to persist in prayer. The same point that we're seeing here in this passage in Luke 18. And like I said, you know last week I think it was that, that we're going to see these recurring themes actually two weeks ago maybe When we're, we're going to see these recurring themes these same points that Jesus is making why because he wants us to get it he wants us to understand it and so here again he's speaking about persisting in prayer and he says in Luke, in Luke 13 he told them that if you go ask your friend for bread at midnight because you suddenly got some unexpected visitors even though your friend is in bed because of your audacious persistence because you keep knocking because you won't go away because you keep asking your friend will get up and give you the bread right that's what jesus said in luke thir- in luke chapter 11 we were looking in that i mean luke chapter 13 um, we were uh, reading about this but here in Luke chapter 18 we're hearing about oh and, and and in Luke in Luke chapter 11 he talks about the asking the heavenly father for the holy spirit and he says because you persist you keep asking how much more will the, the your heavenly father who gives better gifts than your earthly fathers how much more will he respond to you and give you the holy spirit but he talks about persisting in prayer Now, here in Luke 18, I want to point out four points. I want to make four points about how we are to persist in prayer, right? So if you look at these points that we, or these, this passage that we just read, the first one is that we are to persist in prayer for justice. The widow came to the unjust judge seeking justice. She had nowhere else to go. This is... All she could do. But and 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 she probably knew that this man wouldn't do what was the right thing to do, because it was the right thing to do. So she persisted. She kept coming back. She kept asking. I don't think she threatened him, but she kept persisting in such a way that she that he got afraid. That he said, Oh, she's such a nuisance to me that. I'm going to go ahead and do what she's asking. And then Jesus says, and will not God bring justice? What's the contrast? Remember when we talked about contrasts in the past? Jesus is making a contrast between an unjust judge and a holy father, a God who is all just. And he's saying, if a woman, a widow, can go to an unjust judge and ask for help how much more or will not god who is justice personified who will always be just will not god act justly for you when you go to him when you ask him for help when you say lord this is a calamity that i'm in this is the problem that i'm facing this is the issue that i have will not god provide Justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? So the contrast that we see here in terms of the systems of the world and the justice of God allows us to understand that, I mean, Jesus doesn't explicitly state it here, but you understand the things of the world will be unjust. Here is a man, a judge, who is supposed to be doing the right thing, who is in a position of authority, who is supposed to be meeting out justice. And instead, he has no regard for others and no regard for God, and he's described as an unjust judge. And so the systems of this world that we see around us that are going to be what we have to deal with and live with and, you know, navigate, you're going to face injustice. God is not saying you will go through this earth and everything will be just totally smooth in front of you. You go to the DMV and they will get you your license right away, right? You know, I mean, you go to wherever you need to do with something and everything will be smooth, you know? And people, others, you know, as you're listening to me, you know already what kinds of injustices you have faced. You know what kinds of things have not gone well you know what kinds of situations you've had to go through just to get a simple thing done or maybe some very significant thing done. And people who will try to take advantage, people even in positions of authority who will do things against you, lawyers or others or judges, corruption, all sorts of things are around us in the world. So we don't, we don't ignore those things. We don't say, oh, that doesn't happen. But we say, I know where to go for justice, true justice, justice that will be proper and complete. All around us right now, people are calling out for justice. And there is that call for justice that is rising up from different groups of people, but especially a whole generation of young people. And it is important for us not to ignore it, to pay attention to it, to understand why this call is being raised. But in the midst of it, we have to pray. We have to go to God. We have to say, Lord, I am calling out to you. When there is injustice in the world, oh Lord, come and have your way. Please intervene. Do something here that will make a difference. And and when do you do it? How do you do it? I mean, the description here is that you would keep persisting day and night. That you would keep coming to God, crying out to him day and night. You know, in Psalm 55, verses 16 through 19, and then verse 22 to 23, it's a psalm of David. David is describing the difficulty that he's facing and the calamity that, he's un, you know, that, that is there and the people that are opposed to him. And he says, as for me, I call to God and the Lord saves me. Evening. Morning and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. He rescues me unharmed from the battle waged against me. Even though many oppose me, God, who is enthroned from of old, who does not change, he will hear them and humble them because they have no fear of God. He leaves his enemies into God's hands. And he says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. But you, God, will bring down the wicked into the pit of decay. The bloodthirsty and deceitful will not live out half their days. But as for me, I trust in you. David's heart cry in the midst of all his troubles his persistence in crying out evening morning night all the you know noon what where, throughout the day day and night he cries out in persistent prayer to God why because in the midst of all his circumstances he has based his trust and his confidence that God That that the Lord that he's calling out to will hear him. That God will save him. That God will sustain him. That's his statement. In the middle of, of difficult circumstances, there was no relief from what he was facing. It didn't just all go away. But in the middle of it, he says, I will call out to God in my distress, and he will save me. He will rescue me. He will sustain me. He has faith in God. Which brings us to this next point. We are to persist in prayer for justice, true justice, timely justice, God's justice. But we are also to persist in prayer with faith. Prayer and faith go together. Prayer and faith have to work together. We call out to God because we believe he will answer and that he is capable of acting in this matter that we're talking about. It's not just him hearing us. It's not just like us, you know, where we hear somebody's situation or need and we say, oh, I hear you. But we are powerless to do much about it. God's not the same way. God hears us and he is able to act. He is capable of meeting the need. And so when we persist in prayer, we're not just persisting in the words going up to God. We are exercising faith to say, what I'm praying for, I believe that God can do this. So that connection, that link between prayer and faith is critical. It is, as we were talking about yesterday in the Q&A session, Faith increases by prayer, and prayer is empowered, is enabled by faith. They go hand in hand. When we start to pray, when we call out to the Lord, and we say, Lord, I believe that you can do this, our faith, we're declaring it, we're standing on the promises of God, we're going by what he has already done for us and for others in the past, We're saying your prophecy and your word for the future gives me a hope and an expectation. So based on all of that, my faith rises. My faith is made alive. It comes, it becomes stronger, and I pray. But as I pray, right, and my faith is being exercised like this, the faith that I'm exercising now starts to be manifest as you hear me and answer me. And it encourages me to keep praying. I don't give up. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't give up. I mean, you know, like I've said before, when the scripture tells you explicitly what it's, what it's about, then it's great. So Jesus said, I'm, I, he told the disciples this parable to tell them how they should pray and not give up. That's what the Bible says. Don't, don't give up. Just keep praying. Keep going after this. Persist. Keep exercising faith. Keep calling out to the Lord. Now, let me uh, address one point here. Because doesn't, you know, the question can come up in your mind. Doesn't having faith imply that you shouldn't have to keep asking? Like, 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 you know, you should come to God and you would say, Lord, I need this. And I believe that you can do this. And then we're done, right? We're, we, we've asked God. We've been exercising faith. We believe that he can do it. That's That should be enough, right? God heard, heard it the first time. right? Why do we keep having to persist in faith? And isn't, isn't that a sign of lack of faith? Like we keep coming back to him and saying, well, you know, I asked yesterday, but maybe I'll ask today too. And I asked for 10 days now, but maybe I'll ask you know, another 10 days. Isn't that a lack of faith? I mean, you know, and, and by the way, the reason I'm bringing this up is because you may, be, you may have heard that. You may have thought that. Somebody may have said that to you and said, oh, if you keep praying like this, the same prayer again and again and again, you know, then you don't have faith, right? No. It is not that we are praying with, from a position of doubt and that's why we repeat the prayer. It's that we are praying from a position of faith and we repeat the prayer Until we have the breakthrough, until we see God move, until we have the answer. When we read the example of Daniel and we talk about Daniel persisting in prayer and continuing to pray, the Bible says that when the angel finally comes to him and gives him a response, the angel says, from the first day you started praying, you were heard and God sent the message. But I was opposed, I was hindered from coming to you. Now here I am, I'm giving you the message. But Daniel doesn't give up after the first day or the second or the third. He keeps persisting in prayer. And these examples are given to us so that we would say, Lord, how do I persist in prayer? Not because after 10 days, 20 days, 30 days, a year, 10 years, you say, I don't know if this will happen. But because you have said, don't give up. I'm gonna keep praying. I'm gonna keep asking. I'm gonna keep believing. I'm gonna keep trusting. I'm gonna keep declaring. You will save. You will do this. You will. You will have your way. I'm gonna keep on. The there's, there's, there's the Mommy, about that response? God's response may be to say no. God's response may be to say, not right now, right? It's not always that you keep praying for a breakthrough or an answer and it happens exactly the way that you think. But it is necessary for us to come to the Lord and to say, Lord, whatever your will. When Jesus prays, as he's going to the cross, if it were possible, let this cup be taken from me. He knows the suffering that he's about to endure and the suffering that he's already come through. He knows that and he prays that, but he says, but not my will let, yours will, let your will be done, right? When we pray in that way, we're not saying it will always be according to what I said or it'll always be according to what I expect or it'll always be according to what I think. No, I'm gonna pray. I'm going to ask the Lord to refine my prayer. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to pray from within me. I'm going to pray in such a way that there there will always be the praying according to the will of God. But in doing that, if God says no, then I know I don't need to pray about that anymore. I have that response and I can stop praying for that particular thing. Or if God says to me, keep praying, but it's not for now. This is going to happen 10 years from now. Okay, I keep praying. And remember, there are multiple things in the word of God that have that kind of time frame to it. You know, God will say something, and it, it's something that's going to happen the next day, that night, you know, the next year, or whatever. But in that same statement that God is making to that prophet or to the nation or whatever, there's a part of what he's saying that may be fulfilled only generations later, centuries later. So we have to wait on the Lord, persist in prayer, and ask God, what is your response? Because, well, and why is this important? Because when Jesus speaks about this, persisting in prayer, going in these ways, he talks about persisting and ends that section with saying, however, when the Son of Man comes will he find faith on the earth? Why didn't he say, when the Son of Man comes, will he find people praying? Why didn't he say, when the Son of Man comes, will he find people who have been persistent? He says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Because he knows that as we pray persistently, We're exercising faith. We are trusting him. And that kind of faith that comes from and is exercised in persistent prayer is what Jesus is looking for when he returns. That we would be children of God, members of the body of Christ and the bride of Christ that is exercising faith in persistent prayer. So, persist in prayer for justice, persist in prayer with faith, but then we also want to persist in prayer because of righteousness. You know, Jesus begins that next section, or the word begins this next section by saying, verse nine, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. He's speaking about this Pharisee and the tax collector who are praying. They're doing a good thing. They've come to the temple. Both of them are trying to be obedient to God. In fact, the Pharisee would, would be very obedient in terms of the law, in terms of what he is fo- you know, f- uh, following. But Jesus says that, I mean, he tells this story Again, the word is explaining why he tells the story. He says, because of a person who was confident of his own righteousness. Self-righteous individuals. You know, um, when we were looking in Luke chapter 11 and then chapter 12, we talked about hypocrisy and the idea that you can present a certain front. But inside, there's something different, right? And the Bible warns against being hypocrites, against you know uh, what you know that there's a gap between your public persona and your private character, and that will show up in all sorts of ways. And Jesus speaks very forcefully against hypocrites, and he says, you know, this is absolutely contrary to what the word is about, and it's there's an abomination before God, and he brings out these points very, very clearly. And we talked about all of this. I encourage you to go back and listen to that message or, or to look at the notes and things on that in terms of, of refreshing this idea of what hypocrisy is and, what, and how we deal with it and how we address it and how we recognize it and so on. But one of the things that I want to remind you of is that when we talked about hypocrisy, we said we can become hypocritical when we focus on Sin, what is right and wrong and how well we are doing what is right when we focus on ourselves and when we focus on others. Not looking at God, we're looking at ourselves, we're measuring ourselves, we're looking at others, we're measuring them and because of that, we can become hypocritical and we, th- we, we depend on being righteous in our own eyes. The Pharisee, when he was praying, what he was saying is, I am not like everybody else. I am not like these adulterers and murderers and everybody, and I'm not even like this tax collector. Where is the Pharisee's focus? On himself and on what he sees. He's not looking up to God. In contrast, the tax collector, it says he wouldn't even look up to heaven. But where is he looking? He's looking at God. Because he sees himself rightly. He sees God rightly. And he says, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need your mercy. I need you to touch me. I need your righteousness. Righteousness has to do with that right standing before God righteousness has to do with us being found in the right position before god and how do we stand before god a holy god a god without sin a god who has ordained or who has said this is how you have to be pure because only if you're pure can you see me who is pure you know how do we do that well we have to be rightly positioned how can we be rightly positioned in ourselves we cannot. The Bible says that our good works and our righteousness are like filthy rags. They don't, they don't measure up. We can't get to God's presence and say, Look at all the good things I've done. Look at the fact that I've kept the law. Look at the fact that I've fed the poor. Look at the fact that I gave a tithe. We're talking about giving generously. You know, I, mean, I mean, the Pharisee had a lot to be able to point to right? Fasting twice a week. Once a month is difficult. Twice a week. He had a lot to point to and to say, look at all this that I'm doing. Look at what I have done. And therefore, I deserve to stand here before you. Bible saying, no, we don't. You can't point to that. You can't demand that. You can't claim that. The only reason We stand before God and can be found worthy or righteous is because the blood of Jesus covers us. It's because he has taken our unrighteousness and given us his righteousness. It's because he has redeemed us. He paid the price. He saved us. Because of that, we can stand before God. So that when God looks at us, he doesn't see us, he sees the blood. When the angel of death came through Egypt and saw the blood, the angel would pass over that house. We are able to stand in the presence of God. We are justified. We are found to be righteous because of what Jesus has done. And this morning, if you're listening, if if anytime you're listening to this and you're saying, well, it sounds great. I would like to be in that place with God. There's only one way. There's only one means. And we would come to Jesus and we would say, Jesus, because of what you have done on the cross, because of the fact that you died and you gave your life for me, because you shed your blood, I receive the price that you have paid, and therefore I am brought in to the kingdom of God. I am brought in as a child of God. I am brought in as righteous. I don't stand ever to say, I am righteous. That person is not. I say, I thank God for his righteousness that allows me to come into his, boldly come into his presence. And I want to tell everybody else about the same righteousness of God. I want to invite them to know this Jesus. I want them to come to him and to say, oh God, I receive your righteousness too. And because of that, we can be joined together as brother and sister. The Pharisee and the tax collector had an opportunity with Jesus being right there, they had an opportunity to say, Jesus, how do I come into the kingdom of God? How can I receive your righteousness? And how can this person that's next to me, who's not like me, who has not been doing the same things as me, who in my estimation is not as good as me, how can we be brought together other than in you? The answer for the world, the answer for so much that is going on around us is the same answer that it's been since the creation of the world. Jesus is the answer. We have to come to him. We have to know him. We have to say, Lord, it is your righteousness that allows me to stand. That's why Jesus says at the end of that section in verse 14, I tell you that this man, who, tax collector rather than the other who the Pharisee the tax collector went home justified before God justified before God for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted Prayer and righteousness are connected. Prayer and humility are connected. But it's when we come with that heart attitude, that mindset, that we can persist in prayer. We don't persist in prayer if we are self-righteous. How long will you pray self-righteous prayers? Oh God, answer my prayer because I'm better than everybody else. How long will you keep praying like that? At a certain point, you you yourself will sort of say, ah, maybe this is not true, right? You can't pray, persist in prayer if you're self-righteous, if you think yourself to be better than others. But when we rightly see ourselves, when we rightly see God, when we receive his righteousness, we will persist in prayer. And then this last point, and it's appropriate that we have some young children in our midst, because the Bible says that Jesus tells them to persist in prayer as a little child. Persist in prayer as a little child. Jesus said, truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And you know, if you went to the little child right now, two, four, five, ten, and said, tell me what the kingdom of God is. They couldn't be able to articulate it to you. They couldn't explain all these things that we're talking about. They couldn't say, oh, this is how you enter into the kingdom of God, and this is what you know, is characteristic of the kingdom of God, and so on. So why, why, why did Jesus do this? Why did he say you have to be like a little child? Well, there are some characteristics of little children that we need to pay attention to and that we should emulate. So you will know this from experience. Um, or maybe not from direct experience, but I'll state these things. Little children have a capacity to love. When that little child is born and then starts to develop and reaches out to that mother, you can argue that it's just animal instinct. But I really do believe and I think you have experienced that there's a genuine love that comes from this little child the, for the parent, for the caretaker, for I mean, th- that this child genuinely expresses that affection. Right? There's a joy in a little child. I was looking at some old photos yesterday. I was cleaning out my photos. I mean, there were a whole bunch of old photos uh, online, I mean, on my computer. I was running out of space on my computer. So I was deleting old photos. And I was looking at old photos of our boys. You know, when they were like, I don't know, four five, six, whatever, they're now much older. And they were smiling and I mean, I haven't seen them smiling like that in years. I mean, you know, they're like, so joyful i'm just you know jumping on something or climbing on the, i mean crawling through something and you know smiling for the camera and you see the faces and you see the smile of a little child and you think what joy what what abandon right what what a sincere joy of for life right just to run and to play and to do whatever maybe not as much a little bit more restricted these days but you know, just we we just we experience it, we see it, and we 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 are made glad. Our hearts are made glad when we see it. The other thing that happens with little children is that there is expectation. Right? There's a there's an expectation for something good, something that's coming, because they don't have a means of controlling that. But they say or they ask or they hear, and you say. Tomorrow, we're going to go to this place. Or tonight, we're going to get some ice cream or a, know, kale, kale, kale salad. Um, not ice cream. Oh, you know, I, I mean, you, and, and the child is full of expectation. Ooh, great. Right? There's an expectation that's in a child that's just sincere, that's, that's, that's you know, natural. right? Now, by the way, I'm not talking about children who have already learned that they can't trust you. Or like if you say tomorrow you're going to get this. And they go, no, dad, I don't know. You know, you told me that last time, but that didn't happen. I'm not talking about that. Right? I'm talking about that sincere expectation that a child has. That they just anticipate that this is what's going to happen. This is what they heard. This is what they've been told. And they say, oh, I'm going to expect this. And they trust. They trust. You know, your, your parent says something. You, you say, okay, I trust you. I was reading a little thing that said um, confidence in your ability is having a little child who says to the father, turn off the fan dad, I'm going to jump, right? I mean, that, if you're confident, if you're that confident that you can jump you know, and get as high as the ceiling, then that's confidence on your part. But you know what? You can have plenty of situations and you've seen this where that little child will be up on a dresser or up somewhere else or climbing something and they just jump, why? because they trust that you will, ha- you will catch them. I've had that happen, and sometimes I wasn't ready. I was like, whoa! You know? But the child is so totally, completely trusting. Because why? They are believing that you've got them. They are trusting. There's a humility in a little child. A little child doesn't boast of its capabilities. A little child doesn't boast of its wealth. Little child doesn't boast of its strength. It says, I don't know what I can do or how I can do this, but somebody up there, somebody up is going to do something. And they're humble about what they can or cannot do. There's an innocence about a little child. There's a complete innocence about what's going on around them. And we have come to a point where we sort of counter all these factors in their simplest form, in the, in the most natural way you can think of how the little child will be. There is this love, this joy, this expectation, this trust, this humility, this innocence, and there is a dependence. Human beings are one of the only species where that little baby is totally dependent, completely dependent on the parent taking care. And their child is entirely dependent for many, many years. Now, you can can get little kids who at four will say, I can do it, you know, but really, they're completely dependent on somebody else, on some set of circumstances around them. They can't do it on their own. They just cannot handle it. So when Jesus says we should be like little children, look for these things. Look to see how we can be sincere in our love, in our joy, in our expectations, in our trust, in our humility, in our innocence, in our dependence. Now, there are characteristics of little children, because no child is born without sin. The child doesn't have to be taught how to sin. Doesn't, the child doesn't have to be taught how to become angry or to say no. The child will do it. We'll get into it. So we're not looking to emulate ignorance or selfishness or stubbornness. No, that's not the point. But there is a way in which we can look at a little child and say, Lord, how do I persist in prayer? How do I enter into the kingdom of God? How do I stay true to you in all these ways like a little child? And that brings us to the point of response this morning. And we respond to the word of God, to this word of God, by committing to pray, to persist in prayer. And every, morning, every Sunday morning we, we say, you know, how should we respond? What should we think about? How should we, you know, orient our hearts and our lives? How, how, can, we, how can we explore this further? What should we do in response to this word? That's what we mean when we say we respond. We can't just be hearers of the word. We have to be doers. But how do we how do we prepare to even do? How do we prepare to take action on what we're hearing? How do we respond to it? Well, we respond by committing to persistent prayer. And we say, Lord, I'm going to pray and not give up. I'm going to pray for justice. I'm going to pray in, with faith. I'm going to pray in these ways that you have asked me to. I'm going to pray as a little child or come into your presence as a little child. I'm going to do this. I'm going to you know, go after this, I'm going to commit. But every week, we also want to talk about applying the word of God. What action can we take? What is the specific action that we can take this week? What is the way in which we can reach out to somebody or to do something? And today, in terms of our response and our application, it's really the same. We've got to pray. We've got to pray. We pray until we receive God's response. What have you been praying for? What have you been asking God for? What have you been coming to him and saying, Lord, unless you move, I, you know, nothing's going to happen or, or something bad's going to happen. You, we've got to move, God. What is it that you've been asking him for? And this morning, I want to encourage you that you would come to him and you would say, Lord, I don't just respond to your word, but I apply your word. And this week, I'm going to persist in prayer. I'm going to pray. I'm going to come to you and not give up. I'm going to keep praying until I receive your response. So this morning, for just a few minutes, I want to encourage you to pray. We're just going to take a few minutes here, and we're just going to pray. We're just going to ask the Lord, what is it, Lord, that you want me to do? Ask the Holy Spirit right now. Talk to him. Listen to him. Prayer is not just about telling God something. Prayer is also about listening to God. Prayer is asking him what he thinks. Prayer is saying, Lord, I want to hear your word loud and clear in me. Prayer is saying, Lord, my faith is at this level. Increase my faith. Help me to see what you are doing. Reveal to me your will so that I may pray according to your will. Reveal to me your plan and your purpose so that I may walk in that way. Reveal to me what your heart is, your character, so that I can appeal and stay consistent with who you are, the nature of God. So let's pray. Call out to him. Let the Holy Spirit remind you right now what topics you should be praying for. Don't leave from this place just hearing, but pray, pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That muscle will get stronger. Praying for a few minutes right now, praying even for some period regularly during the day. All that is good, but don't give up. Keep building this muscle. Keep praying. Pray individually. Pray with your family. Pray with friends. Pray with people far away. Pray with people close by. Join in the corporate prayer meetings. Take every opportunity to pray. 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 Persist. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you have given us this privilege to pray. You've taught us how to pray. You set an example of prayer. You showed us how when we pray, we are heard. And Lord, that when we pray, we receive. All of that has been, Lord, made manifest to us. And we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, that we can pray. We thank you, Lord, that when we pray, it's not just about us speaking to you, but it's about you communicating with us, telling us, showing us, revealing to us, most importantly, for us to get to know you better. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that there is such a blessing and benefit in prayer. Lord, we thank you that this, that when we pray, it is not for our, uh, it's not for your benefit it does, Lord, it's not for you to somehow be better, but it certainly is for our benefit. And we thank you for it. Father, I thank you that even as we were on Wednesday night praying together and looking at that word in Revelation that says, amen, come Lord Jesus. The very end of the Bible, that's the prayer that is raised up. And we thank you that we can persist in that prayer because of all that we have understood about your coming and all that we have understood about prayer and all that we can look forward to with great expectation and with trust like a little child in its heavenly father. I thank you, Lord, that we can say even today, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. We live ready. We live in prayer. We want to be your children that are living in such a way that when you do return, you will find faith in us. Persistent prayer. Faith that is exercised. Thank you, Jesus. Father, as we go from here, I pray that you would guide us, direct us, and cause this word and this move of the Holy Spirit to be working in us so that we persist in prayer, not just for Another day, another week. But Lord, day and night for the rest of our lives that we would continue to pray and not give up. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Every Sunday morning, we always want to remind ourselves that we are to die to self and we are to be raised up to new life in Christ Jesus. For those of us who know the Lord in these ways, this is, not, this is a reminder that we must persist in, that we must keep reminding ourselves in, because it's easy to go off in the flesh. So we die to self, and we are raised up to new life in Christ Jesus. For those of you who do not know the Lord, this is a reminder to say, hey, there's an invitation there is a new God Almighty. There is a loving Heavenly Father who wants you to know Him and to have eternal life with Him. And every Sunday morning, we want to end with the word of blessing. We want to receive the promises, the power and the presence of God into our lives. We want to go into this week with the blessing of God. So let's stand together as I speak this word of blessing over you. I pray that this will bless you and strengthen you that it will cause you to experience the favor of the Lord as you go about this week. Every week as we speak this word of blessing, we base it on the word of God. And this morning, from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, the portion that we looked at when we looked at the the armor of God and putting on that armor to be battling in spiritual warfare, that whole section ends with this reminder to pray. And so this morning, based on Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, and on 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, I speak this word of blessing over you. May you pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, may you keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints may you be unceasing and persistent in prayer god bless